didn't want to embarrass you or anything. <laughs> yes, that's right. You're, you know, it's always wonderful. It's, you know how blessed we are. You know, you just, you, re, you know, just how blessed we are, privileged we are, that everyone that's made an effort to be here, God is going to bless you for it. Every time that, you know, I, I was thinking of um, when people, us, people are here, not here, you and I, that when people aren't here, we miss you, but we also love you, and we need you know, sometimes we don't like to say, I need something, or, you know, I need, some people are always saying, I need this, I need that, but the, the need is not that um, we have, we, we're, there's a part of us not there, something's missing, and, and so we, we recognize that when people aren't here, but even though we are, I don't want to, I, you know, I never try to emphasize, uh, never t- like to talk about people who aren't here, because what good does it do? They don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, so for the people who are here, we're blessed, and that we are going to be even more blessed for what God has given us and the gifts that he has for us for this very day. And um, today, the, the title of my message is God-Given Gifts. <laughs> God-Given Gifts, the three Gs. <laughs> and as we think of this, um, I think of it for graduation, and, and, but also for our lives in general, that God has given us many gifts. And if I were to say to you, what are the gifts that God would give? You know, what are the gifts that God would give? Now, often, you know, we think of gifts at the most time. Best, you know, it's at birthdays, um, holidays, you know, especially Christmas. Um, but, and graduations and weddings and things like that. Baby, baby births. <laughs> birth of a child but you know there are certain things that we celebrate and things that we would give gifts for but if I were to ask us uh, what is a gift that God would give us and my first inclination when I was thinking of this well God's gifts are you know the gifts of the Holy Spirit the, the you know that the gift of um, the nine gifts of the Spirit. We'll just leave it there <laughs> instead of trying to quote them all. The nine gifts of the Spirit and then the, the fruits of the Spirit and those things that he imparts in our lives. And we know that the gifts of the Spirit are divinely imparted to us, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, you know, that God has given these things and he divinely imparts them to us. Then the fruits of the Spirit are the things that grow in our lives. You know, just as fruit grows on a tree, so does love and joy and peace and patience, 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 <laughs> long suffering, suffering long, long suffering. <laughs> you know, there are things that God, you know, He helps us grow those things in our lives. But if we were thinking of God's gifts, um, we do we think of kind of the ordinary gifts? And so, in Exodus chapter thirty-one, verse verse one through eleven, it says, and 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 this is where I. Um, I began this uh, journey for this message. God spoke to Moses, see what I've done. I've personally chosen Bezala. There I go. I I listened to the guy 30 times pronounce it. So Bezala, son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And this is is the part. I I filled him with the Spirit of God. 
giving him skills and know-how and experience in every kind of craft to create, to create designs and work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set gemstones, to carve wood, and all-around craftsmen. So we find that God, God is telling Moses that he has filled this man with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we think of filling a person with the Holy Spirit, I think of Pentecost, and I think of Peter standing up and speaking. So we often associate being filled with the Spirit as either being, you know, speaking in tongues or having a word of knowledge or healing or um, being a preacher, being a prophet. Did you ever think of it as being a craftsman? That God fills us with the Holy Spirit to be a craftsman. To be a person who is skilled in how to do every kind of craft. To be a designer, which is a draftsman. To be a teacher. To be an educator. To, be, to, to take care of things. To be a farmer. <laughs> to, to work in the mind. So, you know, to whatever our talents. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we're going to be a missionary in Africa or be a person who stands behind the pulpit, but being filled with the Spirit. And God is telling uh, Moses that he is putting people in place for the building of his temple. For the building of his temple, God is going to give. So in the building of the body of Christ, all of us have a very intricate part, and no part is insignificant. If you have a little toe that hurts, the whole body hurts. <laughs> if you have a part of you that's not working right, it affects the other parts of you. <laughs> well, the same thing is going on in the body of Christ, that we are all tied to one another, not only just in our congregation, but in our community, we're part of the body of Christ. In, in, the, in the state of Pennsylvania with the, our church, but other churches, denominations, and in the body of Christ around the world, Jesus is the head, and we then are part of that body that is working our function, our giftings, for a purpose. And you see, there is no gift too insignificant. No talent that is insignificant. Every talent has potential. Every talent has the ability to serve and to do something very well and to be a craftsman in it. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think that over and over again, I, you know, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit inside of us is the most creative. We as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be the most creative people on the planet. Because it is the Spirit of God that speaks inside of us. We should be the most peaceful people on the planet. Because we know that God is at work in all things. We should be the ones that when difficulties come, we don't get angry, we don't get upset, we see opportunities. I don't qualify there. But... But we know that that's very difficult. But what we're doing is we're learning to allow the Holy Spirit to have an effect upon our thinking, our responses, our actions. We're allowing the Spirit of God to speak to our heart in such a way that we are forgiving and loving so that whatever comes to us today isn't tainted by what happened yesterday. 
You know, some people can't see the future. They can't see the present because they can't let go of the past. They can't let go of the past. Um, there, there, there's just so many examples of it that, uh, you know, in, in, in families, you know, uh, perhaps a person was raised in, a, in, a, in a, an abusive family. And when that person marries their spouse and so on, and their family, they create an abusive situation. They have never been able to let go of the past in order to take on the future. And it destroys whatever it is in the present. And so whether it's in a, whether it's in a family or whether it's in a business, whether it's, you know, I, I've known people who've been at work and had very successful jobs with very successful people, but the, the plant was to, to evolve. The, the product was to evolve, and the, and the um, people that they were making these parts for and making this uh, apparatus or whatever it was, whatever they were making it for, the people who were using it were saying it's, it has these defects. Well, the person who created the patent wouldn't change because they were very successful. Well, what happened? They, somebody else took up the patent. <laughs> somebody else took up the changes, and the person who had everything lost everything because they couldn't let go of what they had. And so things are important. Some things we need to let go of, some things we never let go of. You know, one of the most important things, Allie and I tell this to every person, Every graduate, I think I've told it to. The most important thing in life is choosing your friends. Because if people who, we choose them, they don't choose us. And it's, it's something that uh, I can ask, okay, um, of all of us who are sitting here who have been out of school for a number of years, uh, I won't say how long, how many of the people that we were best friends with in school are still even in our circle from high school? None. All right. So you see how our best friends at one point in our life are not our best friends in all of our life. People come to our life and they are working, they're part of our life, but yet they fall away from us because everyone is changing. And so our friendships change. And sometimes we, we look at life, and I, I think of it as a scaffolding, that we have people around us and things around us that are good for a period of time, but they need to, be, you know, those scaffoldings come down and move on. And, and sometimes in our life, we're the one left without the scaffolding, and sometimes we're the scaffolding. <laughs> but we really don't know what it is, but we know that God is in charge, and God is working in our life. And God then has put in place stone cutters, jewelers, woodworkers, craftsmen of silversmith, goldsmith. What are they? They, you know, they melt the gold, they prepare the gold, and everything was there to make the temple, the temple of God, the, the temple that God was wanting to establish with Moses and right up into the time of David, you know, and when they built the temple. This was a temple built out of fabric and lambskins and skins of animals and so on. And the, and the Ark of the covenant, covenant that represented God's presence with the people. It was beautiful. You know, it was magnificent. It was, it was made of gold and, and acacia wood and, you know, all these things. And this was all done by craftsmen that God had anointed to be craftsmen. How about gardeners, <laughs> planters of flowers? <laughs> How about stone cutters? <laughs> How about 
roofers? How about builders? You see, we, we, we sometimes sell ourselves short. We think, well, the, gifts, the giftings of the Spirit are all spiritual and not physical. But you see, being able to cook. <laughs> you know, my mom used to make cakes. Everybody loved my mom's cakes. And we would take a cake to church, one or two cakes to church every Sunday. <laughs> you know, people were always bringing the pans back. Fill it up for next week. You know, fill it up for next week. And, you know, my mom would bake cooked cakes and cookies and whatever. I remember at Thanksgiving, we could have 10 or 12 pies out. You know, she, and, you know, I was like, whoa, mom, that's good. You know, uh, I always, always liked when she made homemade bread, my brother would, you know, cut off the end and then he would eat the inside of it and he'd cut the thing and it would be empty on the inside. <laughs> and my mom didn't like that. But, uh, you know, she'd cut into what she thought she had a whole slice of bread and, you know, there's nothing. Who was in there? <laughs> Gary, where are you? You've been eating the bread again, you know. So... But we, you know, we each have our talents, but each of those talents have a position, have a place, and we are to never think of them as inferior or second. They are very important. And then we go on in Acts chapter 3, we see how that um, it moves and, and, and progresses here. And one day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, this is the scripture here, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for a prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those, uh, for, from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout, and Peter with John at his side looked at him straight in the eyes and said, Look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. This man has been sick for over 40 years. <laughs> and we find that, and this person probably would have been there in the crowds of people when Jesus had entered the temple. But... It, he wasn't healed by Jesus. He was healed by Peter and John, or by Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. And you see that there are times that what we don't have is exactly what we need. <laughs> what we don't have is what we need? What we don't have is what we don't need? Maybe that's the way. But the idea is what I do have is something very special. I have the Spirit of God. I've been anointed by God and I have been, uh, I, have, I have the presence of God. His Spirit is abiding in me. And so I give. And so whenever we pray, when I pray for Ali, when I pray for you, when you pray for one another, you are doing something very tangible and very important. There's a story of a, a person, and they were, this was up in, in Alaska. And uh, the, the individual was a, an occult, spiritist, whatever. And um, they didn't like this certain guy in town. And so they were going to go and, you know, put whatever they do on, on someone. And this person had the ability to leave their body and go 
uh, they call it astro travel or spirit travel or whatever. But whenever he got to the person's house, he couldn't get in. Because when he got there, there were such a bright lights going on inside that he couldn't stand the lights that were inside of that house, and he had to flee, he had to go back home. And so whenever the next day or whenever he saw the man, and he said, who were those people at your house the other night? He said, what are you talking about? Well, he went on to tell him about what he was trying to do. And he said, oh, those were three people from the church who came to pray with me to accept Jesus as my Savior. <laughs> and this person who told the story is the person who got converted to Christ and he was part of that occult. And he says how that, that moment in time changed his life because he couldn't, he couldn't penetrate that light. He couldn't penetrate where the Spirit and the presence of God is. And you see, when we pray and whenever we allow the presence of God to be about us and we think about the presence of God and how that God is never going to leave us nor forsake us and how that, you know, God is at work in all things and fitly joining the different things together, that he is working in us. Evil looks at that and they don't see us, they see the light. We're the ones who have to kind of turn off the light. You know, we're the ones who say, well, I don't know if God's with me. You know, start talking down our faith. We need to talk up our faith. I am not perfect. <laughs> I am not above temptation. I am not above making mistakes and failing and whatever. But I am, in the, I am a child of God and I have his presence within me. And I know that he will never leave me. And it isn't so much of me hanging on to him. He's got a hold of me. He surrounds me. He keeps me. He protects me. He is, he is at work in all the circumstances of my life. And I am safe within his hands and nothing can ever separate me from him. You see, it's in that light and in that perspective that we live because the Word of God has put a hedge about our lives. When the devil went to tempt, you know, went to God and, and said, you know, I want, I, want to, I want to take, you know, have you, you know, God invited him, as it were, have you considered my servant Job? And this, the devil says, well, I can't do anything to him because you got a hedge around him. Hmm. <laughs> I can't get to him because you have a hedge. You remove the hedge and he'll curse you. And die. He'll curse you. Well, the, re the hedge was removed and Job, we know, went through testing for about nine months is how long that trial took place. But in that trial, he lost everything. He lost everything. But Job didn't lose his understanding of God. You know, the people were trying to tell him that You've done something wrong. God is punishing you. And Job understood the character of God to be such that God wouldn't be that way. God is not punishing me. I don't know why these things happen, though he slay me, yet while I praise him. It's like we have this perspective of change. We have this perspective of things going wrong. We have this perspective that God is at work. And that no matter what happens, Joseph is the prime example that, he, you know, he had a dream of, you know, like being famous or being, you know, in great power. You know, his, the, his brothers bowing down and his dad bowing down. It's like this can never, you know, his brothers, you see, we'll throw him in prison. He's teach him a lesson. They, they threw him in a pit, sold him as a slave. And, you know, he was forgotten. He was Potiphar's wife framed him, went to prison, he was forgotten. 
And Joseph would have had to all of this time, you know, be working to the good and thinking of how that God was going to work in his life. He had to maintain his faith. And it's 13 years, I think, he was in prison. And, you know, he was forgotten there. But one day, when it was the right time, the king, the king had a dream. And the baker, you know, it's not the baker, the cupbearer, the cupbearer. The cupbearer says, I know a man that knows dreams. Joseph goes from the prison to the palace. So, same with David and Goliath. Goliath was David's, David's <laughs> catapult to a national hero. From an obscure shepherd kid, who's even his dad didn't even consider him worth bringing in for the prophet Samuel to look at, and catapulted him to the front. What was it? It was God using the circumstance to take David someplace he could never get on his own. And see, this is where we are at. We are in the circumstances of life. Nothing is mundane. Nothing is without value. It all has value. That's why, you know, that we would do the small things. We do the small things with uh, integrity. We do the small things with, with a sense of doing the right thing for the right reasons. We, we do the, the, the little things. Because if we are faithful over the little things, God will make us ruler over much. So we are faithful in what the task is in our hands. And you see, we look at, well, this is, in, this is you know, what I do. It's not that important. But you see, God anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon these people to be craftsmen, to be workers, to do the work of God, and, but in a different way. And here is Peter and John, and they, they are you know, walking in, and here's this man been sick for 40 years. It's interesting how many times people, that what's wrong with them and what happens in their life, they give us the amount of time. 40 years. Things can't change in 40 years. You know, you know, if it's in a groove, it's in a groove. You know, well, Peter and John, 40 years. What I have, I give you. See, God doesn't tell us to give what we don't have. He get, we are to give what we do have. And that is Christ. And, and what happens here is, you know, this is why I was thinking of David Michael's quote I saw the other day that, that, that when you're going on a journey, uh, we often think of it as with God as going on a business trip. You know, we got business to take care of. That we got, we got things to do, people to see, work to be accomplished. There's a ledger at the end of the day. There's a timesheet, and there, what have you done with your time? But you see, God, is in the, God we're not on a business trip. We are in an adventure. <laughs> and God is, God is leading this adventure. How many like to go on a safari? Yeah, not me. <laughs> I go on a safari, I want to be on top of a big elephant or a tank, you know. Now, I've, been, I've been in the car in a the, in the big elephant, you know. Uh, the, to, to those of you who didn't hear the story, we were, we were in uh, Krieger National Park in, uh, in South Africa. And uh, this guy was taking us around in a, in a car, you know, re- driving us through the, the park. And um, we're looking at these elephants, you know. And I have a new appreciation for elephants. I don't like them. 
<laughs> they, are, they are just big, overgrown bullies, yes. You know, but they are perfect. They have their place and everything. You know, not like I'm saying go kill all the elephants. No, no, no. They have to be taken care of and preserved. But you don't, they're, not the, they're not the kind of little kitty cat you go out and pet. You know, this elephant was standing there maybe from here to the back of the room. And his, his ears start going like this, you know. And he's, he's looking mean, you know. And I'm telling the guy, get out of here. You know, get out of here. Well, that elephant started towards us. He floored it, but he forgot to leave out the clutch. And that elephant is getting maybe from me to you guys. And he finally left out the clutch and spun, you know, and pulled out of there. And the elephant stopped, I think, because he got frightened by the clutch and the spinning of the dirt. But that elephant had, tore, had ripped up a, a, another car a few weeks earlier, flipped it over with its tusk, and, you know, you know just somehow likes to crush things. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't like elephants, you know. <laughs> well, you know, in um, another, I'm sorry I digress, but it's still part of the thing. Uh, uh, we, were, we were at a, another park, it was just a little, kind of like a zoo, and uh, they had a lot of lions and things. This was in Harare, Zimbabwe. And um, these lions, I have pictures of me standing between two lions petting them. Talk about being stupid. You know, so, you know, I'm petting these two lions, you know. And, you know, and, and, and there's just a guy there, he's, he's a worker, and he has a little stick like this, you know, and I'm petting two lions. One's behind me, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so we leave there and we go over to this other one. You know on the Lion King, there's that one lion has a big dark mane and he's the bad guy, you know, whatever. So what is it? Star? Scar. Oh, Scar. Okay, Scar is there. Well, here's this lion. It's about, and there's a fence, you know, a woven wire fence. About two feet from that is a rail fence where you can go up to the rail and, you know, stay away so we're there and this one guy and i'm i don't you know i know their fences but i know animals you know <laughs> i was raised around him you don't trust them well he's there kind of antagonizing this scar you know he's just laying there that guy turned his back that lion came right at him and jumped on the fence <laughs> like he was going to take him out and that guy just about, he, he went, you know, about fell on it. He went out on his face, what he did. Scared him half to death, scared me half to death, and I was watching it. You know, what was the meaning for this? I don't remember. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 pastor's telling stories. What's that? Start off, oh, yeah, going on a safari. Yeah. God is leading us on an adventure. That's it, yeah. God is leading us on an adventure. And you know what? Sometimes the adventure is very good, sightseeing. It's, you know, it's good to see different things. You know, it's good to be able to move out of our comfort zone. We usually don't do that. We usually have this little box that we live in, and we have so far that we will go against the boundaries. But God has a way of taking us beyond our comfort zone. You know, and our comfort zone is where we feel comfortable and safe. But, you know, Goliath would have been a comfort zone that David would have had to leave in order to conquer. Joseph would have had to have been out of his comfort zone, being separated from his family, being framed and being forgotten. 
You know, these are things that we, when the Spirit of God works inside of us, we're able to see and believe that the hand of God is upon us. And that God is leading us even whenever we don't see him. And you know what? He can protect us whenever we're foolish, petting lions. <laughs> he can protect us from the aggressor as the lion jumping on the fence. He can protect us in these times when we're just kind of nonchalantly going about life. And the, mo and the most important thing about this, this message is in Acts chapter 4, we go down to verse 13, that when Peter and John, you know, this guy's jumping around, and Jesus and, and Peter and him is tell and telling these people about Jesus, about his death, about his resurrection. They're telling, they're telling about the power of God, and they're preaching in the authority of the name of Jesus. And the Sadducees, who don't believe in a resurrection are challenging Peter and John that you can't be telling and teaching with such authority. Who do you think you are? And they, they saw them as just unschooled, coof, uncouth fishermen, you know. But here they were preaching and teaching. And what happened was, verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> they took knowledge of him. They recognized him as companions of Jesus, but with the right man before them and seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? You see, when we take time to be with Jesus, everything changes. Our religion, our faith, is not about a set of rules. Our religion, our faith, is about a relationship with a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. We confess our sins, he lives within our hearts. He lives, surrounds us. He comforts us, keeps us, provides for us, guides us, empowers us. You know, whatever the need is, he is there. The grace to carry on. The mercy that he would not reward us for our stupid failures. His grace that he would give us more than what we ever deserved. You see, we can't look at life and we can't go on this adventure and say, well, I don't deserve this and I don't deserve that. Well, who's talking about deserve? God is talking about grace. Grace is giving to us what we don't deserve. You know, I should have never taken this way. I never should have never went this way, but God's grace is there to give us the strength for the way. Because in the failure we learned, and the mercy is he's not going to reward us according to our sins. His mercy. See, in God's understanding and God's provision to us, he would much more give to us from his grace than what we deserve. Because if we deserved it, we would earn it. And God isn't indebted to us that he owes us we are always indebted to him for his gifts to us, even the gift of life, the gift of circumstances, the gift of difficulties, because every one of them is taking us somewhere. You see, he's the tour guide. This life is an adventure. God's grace, God's gifts, and what's the third one? See, I even forgot the title of my message, got so far off. God's, God-given gifts. 
the gifts that God has given to us. It's gift of life, gift of knowledge, gift of understanding, the gifts of being able to see and see God's hand in our life. God is at work. And on this adventure, nothing is wasted. And whenever you think we're getting lost, we're not lost. God is there. He'll lead us back to the right path. He will keep us always in the palm of his hand. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for the day you've given us. Thank you, Jesus, for rewarding us, not according to what we have earned, but God, you give to us because it is your nature. It is your nature to give and to provide and to bestow and to bless and to heal, restore. God, it's your nature to watch over your children, protect them, build a hedge about us. And Lord, when bad things that we consider bad things happen, we just go back to knowing that we rest in your presence. We don't understand why things happen, but God, we know that you will be with us through these things. So in all things, Lord, we give thanks to you because we trust you. You're our guide, and you will guide us into all truth. So bless this day. Blessings upon our families and upon our graduates. Blessings upon us, O Lord, as we serve you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we go downstairs now and have some cake.